You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome on in to your Thursday Locked On Syracuse podcast. Today's episode brought to you by the great people over at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you will ever need, rockauto.com. On today's show, we continue our conversation with Zach Mahoney. More great stuff today about really the the gears aren't turning with the offense. He's going to give us a few more pointers on how this thing can turn its way around. And also, we're going to highlight some of the good things with this team. Some of the things that the defense has been doing have been phenomenal. Zach's noticed, we've noticed. We're going to kind of combine our thoughts on all of that and a little bit more. Check out the show on Twitter, at LO underscore Syracuse. You will get all the latest updates from the podcast and everything that you need to know about what's going on in the world of Syracuse athletics as well. All right, let's get back to more with Zach Mahoney. When you look at what this team has going for it right now, and, and especially when you look at what Rex did in that last game against uh, Pitt. Like he had the big touchdown throw, but he also had some throws that were way off target and stuff like that. At what point, like mm-hmm. how long is the leash until Dino Baber starts fishing down the depth chart? He's going and looking at QB3, QB4. He's trying to find his next Zach Mahoney. How long is that leash for both of these guys, really, Tommy and Rex? Well, and I think that's why Tommy will come out as a starter is I think Tommy's leash is so much greater than Rex's. I mean, especially when you go back to looking at, you know, last year's football, the the end of the season wasn't the, the greatest offensive performance that Syracuse is known for. You know, when, when they're supposed to be hitting on all cylinders, they should be winning games when they're scoring 40 points and, um, you know, doing all this stuff. So when, when you're looking at games where your defense wins it for you or other players are coming in the game to take over, you know, it's, it's probably not just one person who's doing that. So you need to, so kind of going back to it, it, it really all depends on, how coach Babers wants to look at it. If he wants to look at it and say, we're going to take it week by week and whoever can win in practice will be the starter. Or if he can say, you know, I know we lost last week, but this guy gave us the best momentum. This guy is going to be the one to play. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing I'm not coaching because those are some <laughs> tough decisions and, you know, it, it, it'll, it'll affect some guys. Yeah, they obviously are tough decisions, but I think the part that frustrates Tyler and I a lot is what you talked about there. The offense was bad last year, too, and it was bad for compared to what it was when you were there for that year and what it was when Eric was there. Like, we know that this offense can produce, and it was bad last year for a lot of reasons. The offensive line wasn't good, obviously, but then you come back out this year. And it's kind of like we're watching the same thing over again. I think that's the part that really gets me is at a certain point, it's it's broken. Like you, you got to make some changes. To you, is it is it tough to watch this team at times on Saturday? Just watching this offense right now, especially given the success you had too. It it, it is extremely tough. Um, you know, I love Syracuse and I love the football program a lot. So I think that's why it's tough because. You know, even though I wasn't there during the 10-win season, I've seen the capabilities of what this team can do. 
And, you know, once you kind of join that team, it becomes a fraternity and everyone becomes your brother. So you just want to see everyone succeed. Um, but yeah, like you mentioned, I mean, I know, uh, I know their offensive line is banged up, but when you look at some of the, the bigger games that we've had, I mean, when we played Pitt, we had the third string center in, we had guys that were beat up, but we still could put up, you know, however many yards it was. And we just didn't make an excuse. We went out there, we played football. And and that's whatever they have to find is who wants to just go out every play and give it their all and try to come out with a victory. Yeah, you bring up, you, you and Eric, really it was a, a no-excuse offense for you guys. It doesn't matter who's in front of you. It doesn't matter who's at the receiver position. I mean, there was a new receiver every single year that was kind of the top dog, it felt like, for a string of three, four years there. Whether it's you, whether it's Eric, and, and you can take the humility cap off right here when you answer this question, but how many wins under your belt right now do you think you would have in 2020? If Eric and I were still there, two yeah. now. I don't. It's, when you when you look at the what the defenses are doing for Syracuse, they're again they're playing outstanding. The North Carolina game, they barely got off the field and they weren't um, able to. You know the defense wasn't able to get a break in twenty one points against Pitt. Well, I mean I can't remember the last time that we didn't score twenty plus points against Pitt. Even, uh, you know, even when we had that slow offense with Schaefer, just the way the defense is playing is doing well. And like you mentioned, too, there always was that one receiver. And again, I, like I mentioned, Taj definitely can can be that guy if he plays more consistent. But, you know, in my two years at Syracuse, we always had an All-American. It was Amba and then Steve. And then you had Irv, who was the smart guy on the inside. So if you're looking to them at one side, you know for a fact, 100%, you can trust those guys to one side. And then you had just had playmakers on the other side, guys who were selfless, who would would run routes knowing they weren't going to get a ball, but they would go full speed. And guys who just trusted the process and cared about, um, you know, winning and wanted to do everything they could to get that W. All right, quick break from Zach Mahoney to tell you about rockauto.com. You know, in today's world, you've got to make a lot of tough decisions when it comes to maintaining your car. But sometimes there's an easy answer right in front of you. And that's the simple choice that rockauto.com provides for you. Rockauto.com, unlike all the other chain stores, does not offer you different price tiers for different parts. No, you know you are getting the lowest price when you go to rockauto.com. It's a family business that's been serving auto part customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com and you can get thousands of parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything, whether you need an engine control module, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, or even just a new carpet because you've been driving around so much and kids are practicing their fall sports and getting into the swing of things. You can get it at rockauto.com. The website is super easy to navigate and the catalog is seamless as well. Best of all, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you again right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com you know you 
you brought up the wide receiver. Why do you think that there's always one really strong, statistically speaking, wide receiver year in and year out in that offense? Because a lot of people pick on DeVito for only throwing Taj's way and only sticking to his first read. Does the offense lend you to look at one guy more than maybe another offense, or is Tom, should Tommy still be going through his progressions a little bit more? No, I, the offense itself is is built around your best playmakers getting the balls the most. So again, like we had discussed, you know, you call one play and it can be run seven different ways. If if the defense is going to give you a one on one coverage, the majority of the plays are going to are designed to take those one-on-one shots and it's up to the receiver to win. And, you know, coach Babers will always say, if you can't win your one-on-ones, he'll go find somebody who does. Amba killed his one-on-one. Steve killed his one-on-ones. Irv killed his one-on-ones. And that's why they got, um, you know, the receptions they got, the praise they got, the accolades they got. I mean, they broke ACC records that were held for years. Um, and they were just so successful because of the way they played and how smart they were. And like I mentioned, they, I definitely feel like they have guys that are capable of that. They just haven't, they just need to step up on a more consistent basis. So all those guys that you brought up, I mean, they all killed their one-on-one battles. What are you seeing out of guys like Nikeem Johnson and Anthony Quealy? I know you were complimentary of Taj earlier, but what are you seeing out of them? How can they help out the quarterback? So, again, the, the guys that, you know, Taj is the number one receiver. I think everyone knows that. So everyone else around him, they need to be just as sharp as Irvin Steve were or Irvin, anybody else who is in the slot. There were, the moment you call a play, you know if it's this defense, this guy's going to be here. And if they're not, you can't it's hard to throw a ball to someone who you don't trust and I think you see that you know just in general with football um but then when they are in the spot you got to make sure they're catching it and when they're catching it they got to be able to make plays with it and if they're not if they're not capable of doing that well they need to find someone who is but the way to do that is recruiting and coaching and so again we, we can talk about the players doing the struggles, but what are the coaches doing to fix it? Because, you know, they, they got to be doing something, right? Yeah, I hear that. One thing that people have been picking on the coaches for and new offensive coordinator Sterling Gilbert a little bit is, you know, use the tight ends a little bit more after nine touchdowns last year. You've got two strong tight ends, Aaron Hackett, Luke Benson, would you like to see the tight ends get more involved? And why do you think we haven't seen the tight ends in these first two games? It, you know, every uh, offensive coordinator is very different. I, uh, I think uh, a lot of people say, you know, a quarterback's best friend is a tight end. And especially when you need uh, plays that are going to hit quicker, you need the ability to put in guys that have the capability of getting open. So, if they're not thrown to the tight end, it's for whatever reason, maybe they don't trust them. Maybe they're, they're more worried about trying to figure some other stuff out because, you know, Aaron, Aaron can get separation, but he's not like a Ravion Pierce where he's going to run by, you know, a safety if they try to come down on him. 
he's he's just a bigger body um and they just need to find ways to to implement and i agree they need to find ways to implement the tight end whether it be you know off a play action fake or just quick game stuff all right we've kind of fleshed out the frustrations here a bit but you have been very complimentary (laughs) of the defense as have tim and i and i just want to say i mean this defense looks phenomenal so far i mean you bring up the fact that they held Pitt to 21. That should be good enough for the Syracuse team to win. You held one of the best offenses, one of the best quarterbacks in the country to 10 points through three quarters on the road. But when you look at this defense, of course, the the accolades, you think of Andre Sisco, you think of Trill, Iffy, and then it looks like Mikel Jones is the real deal at linebacker. What in particular has impressed you the most about this defense? Just the way that they click. You know, you you can see that when uh, when they step out on the field, they just fly around and they just have fun with it. I mean, they look small compared to a lot of defenses. They look extremely small. And I know they got a lot of young guys on the front lines and, and kind of everywhere else. But, it, I mean, it really helps to have Andre in the back being able to take care of the DBs. Um, but you just again, you just see these young guys flying around that just in that just uh, you just see guys that love playing football out there, and it's fun to watch them. When you look at the defense too, one thing that I felt like happened against UNC is again the the depth it doesn't feel like is there for the defense. the The starting eleven look really strong, but once you start to get two deep, three deep, and cycling some guys in, it felt like they got tired at the end of that UNC game. Is that something that you saw, and is that something that you feel like could be a problem for this team where, okay, we might hold them to 10 to 17 points through three quarters, but the wheels might come off in the fourth? Again, I, I don't care how deep you are on on defense. If your offense is doing three and out, three and out, three and out, and you can't move the ball on offense and give your defense a break, your defense going to be dead tired in the fourth quarter. And, you know, that's kind of exactly what happened. They couldn't move the ball and the defense got tired and they let up, you know, some, some silly touchdowns that I think if it was the second quarter, they wouldn't have gotten those. They would have stalled out on the drives and punted. Um, so as much as the, the defense is being talked about, they're playing extremely well. They just, they need to get a break. All right, Zach, this was great, man. Really enjoyed your perspective on this. I, I wish we weren't talking about an 0-2 football team, but we'll have to have you back on maybe some point later on in the season, and hopefully we can talk on a little bit more positive note. But really appreciate the time. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me. All right, awesome stuff there from Zach Mahoney. How about that, huh? There are a couple quotes awesome. in there that, that stood out to me. Most notably, I would say the the blue checkmark stuff, I thought kind of spoke some volumes there. I don't know about you. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, that's kind of the state of Syracuse football right now. And it, I think it was pretty telling that he wants to go with Rex. And we'll see. Obviously, it looks like Dino Babers is going to start Tommy on Saturday, but we've seen him pull some some rabbits out of his hat before. So just because Tommy's the starter now doesn't necessarily mean that he will finish out the game that way. So that'll be an interesting situation to to look out for. All right, let's get into something new here, Tim. Every 
single Thursday podcast from here until the end of the season. And you know what? We could even stretch this into basketball, too, if we, we get to that Why point. Why not? But yeah. Anthony DeBundo, who came on this show, went through some of the big analytical numbers for Syracuse in the preseason. He's going to give us a little stats report every single week on this show, previewing the upcoming game for Syracuse football. That this week is the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, so we're going to debut DeBundo's Digits. Hello and welcome to the first episode of DeBundo's Digits, a weekly update of Syracuse football analytics. The Orange enter week three of its season as the least successful offense in the country. The advanced numbers across the board paint an ugly picture of an offense that has scored just 16 points this season, and the lone touchdown has come from the backup quarterback. The Orange rank 11th of 12 teams in offensive explosiveness and would be last if not for Culpepper's long throw to Taj Harris on Saturday. When the Orange have gotten inside the opponent's 40, usually because of a defensive turnover, they are the second worst offense in the country at finishing drives. They scored just .9 points per scoring opportunity, and only South Florida is worse. The Orange's running backs aren't providing much of anything in the open field, generating just .9 second-level yards and .2 open field yards. Both are at the bottom of the ACC tables. Syracuse was stuffed on 34.6 of its run plays in Saturday's loss to Pittsburgh, but there is reason for optimism in the running game. Georgia Tech ranks last in defensive line yards in the conference, a measure of how well the defensive line itself stops the run. GT can be had on the ground, so that could present opportunities for the Cues to find some success there. And on the other side of the ball, Georgia Tech's offense may not be explosive, but it has been successful. The Jackets ranked last in explosiveness in the conference, showing them to be a more methodical, move-the-chains type offense rather than one who relies on bigger plays. But their lack of big plays doesn't mean they aren't good. GT ranks second in passing success rate and fifth in rushing success rate as the SU defense will have its hands full again. And the analytics of this SU defense highlight just how good the young group has been despite the immense pressure of a failing offense. SU was top five in the ACC in defensive line yards despite playing two top 25 opponents. It's top five in defensive passing success rate and fourth in defensive rushing success rate. And getting back to the offense again, one source of yards the Orange have not at all tapped into has been the tight ends. Aaron Hackett and Luke Benson caught 31 balls combined last year. Through two games of 2020, no receptions. And I wouldn't be talking about football without discussing my favorite position on the field, the punter, where redshirt senior Nolan Cooney is second in the nation in punting average. He's gotten plenty of work to start the season, and he has not disappointed. No team has punted more times than Syracuse with 7.5 punts per game, and no punter has been better than Cooney at 46.2 yards per punt. And here's a fun stat to finish this off. Each of SU's first two games took three hours and nine minutes exactly. Only three games in the entire Dino Babers era have been shorter. So while Orange may be the new fast, so far the offense has been fast off the field. All right, big thank you to Anthony for that. A couple of those numbers really stood out to me. I'll start with this. The the .9 points per scoring opportunity, I think kind of speaks volumes to just how bad this team has been finishing their drive. It's If they're getting points, for the most part, it's field goals. And of course, they have the one big touchdown. And that that's another thing, too, is the fact that their explosive offense is one play away from being the worst in the conference. If they don't have that 69-yard touchdown from Culpepper to Harris, this offense is the worst explosive offense in the ACC, which is saying a lot because that was supposed to be what this entire offense predicates itself on. It's going to tire you out, and it's going to hit you in the mouth with a big play. Yeah, and it's interesting that Georgia Tech is the team behind them. I think that's what Anthony said. Yep. And You know, Georgia Tech 
obviously, I think going into the season, we viewed this as what should be a very winnable game. The spread is out now hovering around six, seven, eight points in favor of Georgia Tech because they have looked pretty good. And despite, as Anthony put it, not being explosive, they're still being successful, which honestly is kind of worrisome to me because you'd think that that could be misleading maybe if they were just getting big plays to score, but they're just being good consistently and they're just moving the ball consistently. So this is a good Georgia Tech team, a better team than we thought they were going to be. And it's going to be a tough game. And we're going to detail this a lot and get into our picks on tomorrow's show. But I would not say this is the type of game that I that I thought it was going to be. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you circled this as basically a W and moved on. At yeah. least that's mm-hmm. kind of how I viewed it. And now here we are. They're not favored, even though they're at home. And, I mean, based on how they're playing on offense, I don't really see how you could favor Syracuse in any game right now. You know, I watched some of the Georgia Tech games yesterday, and I got to say, Jeff Sims, he reminds me of a guy who won the Heisman. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about that tomorrow, okay, on the show, on the preview. He reminds me a lot of a guy who also torched the orange, too. So we will dive into some of that tomorrow. Let's get to a couple more numbers before we kick out of here. Georgia Tech, the worst in defensive line yards. So this is a defense that can be run on, and I think that's going to be a good barometer of, all right, is this team kind of a fluke? Can they maybe get something going on the ground? Or is this team just unable to run the football? Because it feels like this week it's going to determine, can this team run the football? And, And again, I won't even say, can this team run this football, but... They're not hopeless because if you can't run on this Georgia Tech team, given the stats that Anthony said about how they're the worst in defensive line yards, which is a measurement of how many yards you get around the defensive line area. It's a good metric of how well you stop the run at the first level. To me, that says a lot about what this Syracuse team will be able to do running the ball. If they can't do it this week, they're not going to do it at all this season. We will not see an 100-yard rusher if they can't do it against the Yellow Jackets. Yeah, it should bode well also for protecting DeVito a little bit better, you would hope. I mean, that isn't the exact reason for the metric, and I think it's more aligned to sort of predict how good they are defending the run. But I also glean from that that the defensive line for Georgia Tech isn't quite as good as what we saw in Pitt and what we saw in North Carolina. And just to give you a stat from David Hale that he tweeted out earlier in the week over at ESPN, most sacks since the start of 2019 by active quarterbacks. Tommy DeVito, 58 on 495 dropbacks. Mm. The next next worst, Sam Howell, the UNC quarterback, 38 on 520 dropbacks. So 25 more dropbacks, and DeVito has 20 more sacks and 25 Don't you kind of just feel dropbacks. like you got hit so by a defensive next. lineman from here in that stat? I mean, it's... yeah. I can only imagine That's what he's going through That's even worse than I thought it but would again, be. But again, you got to remember this too. And Zach's talked about this. This has obviously been floated out on Twitter a lot too. Not all of these are offensive line sacks. No. Like yeah. some of these are on DeVito. He's got to get rid of the ball. He's got to just step up, feel his way through the pocket, go through his progressions, and you could maybe avoid some of these things. But the maturation process has really halted and you're not seeing him make those next level adjustments that you see good quarterbacks make. Yeah. Good and healthy quarterbacks. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm concerned. I mean, I I think 
before I have from talking to Zach, I feel more ready to honestly go a different direction from DeVito sooner than you know I what even talking thought. to Zach made me realize maybe this team should go to QB three QB four. Yeah, because if he's, I don't think Rex is it, I don't think Rex is it. Unfortunately, he thinks Rex is it. Again, he he spent a lot of time in a locker room with Rex. He was in a quarterback room a lot with Rex. I don't think Rex is the answer, but he sure as hell doesn't think DeVito's the answer. And when you couple those two together, that makes me start to think, all right, let's see what what Jacoby and Morgan has. Let's see what Dylan Markowitz has. That's starting to be where, where I'm starting to get. One or two less quick things before we head out of here. Nolan Cooney, punter you, alive and well. How about that? He's doing it still, and he's doing it with volume. He's one of the best punters in the country, given his numbers, and he's punting more than anyone else in the country. So Uh, the the good and bad of having a fantastic It's so sad that that has to be the only positive stats that we can muster year in and year out, it seems like. But also props to Nolan Cooney because I didn't think he was going to be the punter about a month ago. I thought it'd be James Williams's job. So good for him. Yeah. Punter you alive and well. Love to see that. And the three minute or three hour rather and nine minute games in each appearance so far. So how about that? These games are flying now. Remember the old four, four and a half hour marathons that we used to have to sit through and I mean, imagine if we had three hour games, you know how much more time in school you and I would have logged at like Castle Court or East Adams. Yeah, now, seriously. And now, now all these, well, I guess these students, if you're a student listening to this, do not be going to Castle Court and East Adams. All right? There, right. There's still a pandemic going on. But when there's not a pandemic on, you better hope that you're getting three hour and, and nine minute games. So you can zip on out of there and then get out and party at Castle Court and at East well, Adams. I'm hoping we get three hours and nine minutes again so I don't have to charge my laptop because keep in mind, I, I can't watch this game on TV this week. We're, we're going to have to stream <laughs> you it. You know what we're going to do tomorrow, Tim? And we're only going to do it for like two minutes, but we are going to give you, the listeners, the step-by-step of how to find the Syracuse football game this weekend. So sad that's what it's come to. <laughs> week three, they've already given up on us and they're putting it on, on streaming. But I can't really blame them. I mean, nope, nor <laughs> can I. we've kind of... Yeah, yeah. It's, but we're going to give you the step-by-step step on how to get the Syracuse football game tomorrow. So we will do that. We will also give our prop shop picks and, of course, break down everything Georgia Tech that you need to know heading into this contest. We are going to break down all of that for you on a preview Friday. It actually will come out probably a little bit earlier on Thursday, so be on the lookout for that just so you guys can get all this Georgia Tech info that you need heading into game day on Saturday. Maybe the Orange can come out with this one. We'll give you our picks as well. So for Tim, I'm Tyler. We will talk to you guys on Friday.